In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I've always found uh, the words in today's epistle uh, very difficult. And uh, if you want to follow along with me, we're on page 190 of the prayer book. Something that uh, I read in preparation for this morning uh, was very helpful from the Reverend John Stott. And that is to picture this uh, epistle as the argument that is being put forth by a defense lawyer. The one on trial is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a prosecutor that we'll get to in a minute. The defense lawyer in this case, or in this scenario, is St. John the Apostle and Evangelist, who was inspired to write both today's epistle and today's gospel. Not St. John the Baptist, St. John the Apostle, who lived to a ripe old age, died, they think, around the year 100 A.D., and was not martyred like the other apostles. So, <clears throat> in a courtroom, of course, there are witnesses, and the goal of the witnesses or of the, of the attorneys is to provide a believable account, believable evidence and believable testimony. So we see these words here, witness and believe. Let's have a look at this. This is page 190. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We're going to come back to this in a bit. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that, here we go, believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That's a mouthful right here that we're going to come back to. The one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Very important as we move along. This is he, in other words, this is Jesus that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. So here's the first mention of water and blood. Not by water only, but by water and by blood, second mention. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. There's the witness that we mentioned. For there are three that bear witness, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath borne concerning his Son. He that, here we go again, believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the witness that God gave of his Son. And this is the witness that God had given to us, eternal life. So again, courtroom, the defense lawyer, John the evangelist, John the apostle, is calling three witnesses. 
the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the water, and the blood, which we're going to come to. Who is the prosecutor? Well, in the first and second century, the early church had to contend in, 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 a, in a very uh, real way against heresy. And one of the heresies, or a general heresy of that time was called Gnosticism, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M, Gnosticism. And Gnosis, Gnosticism comes from the Greek word Gnosis, which means knowledge. And the Gnostics believed in a general, there were various strains of Gnosticism, but generally Gnosticism emphasized knowledge or spiritual knowledge, personal spiritual knowledge against the teaching of the church. So this became a very subjective kind of personal spiritual knowledge. Gnostics generally viewed our physical existence as flawed, and so they focused on this spiritual knowledge. Now, there was a big part about this uh, flawed physical part. If I write that off and say that the physical part, the body, is flawed, then really it doesn't matter what happens in the body as long as I have this spiritual knowledge. The only part that really matters to me is the soul. And I have, I'm going to create around me a monopolized understanding, an exclusive understanding of the soul. I'm going to get my friends together and we're going to make a little club about what I believe in this regard. And you can really only be in the club if you have this experience, this particular experience, and you check this particular box about the belief. And by the way, it doesn't matter what we do through the rest of the time in the body because the body is flawed. So it could lead to all kinds of immorality, this disconnection between the body and soul. And we put aside all objectivity, the objective truth as presented by God in his word. We're going with I think, you think, that kind of scenario. There was a, a particular, there were, as I say, various Gnostic uh, leaders at that time, but one who was a real thorn in the side of St. John the Apostle was Serenthus. influence opened a school and his teaching began to spread and his teaching was that Jesus was just a really good man and that he was distinct from or different from the Son of God. The Son of God, the Christ, came to him at his baptism in the Jordan River, at Jesus' baptism, but left him in the garden. It really makes sense. It doesn't, even though we have to take a leap of faith into the 
into the uh, Christian uh, faith, there is a logical sequence after that. But what Serenthus was putting forward really didn't make any logical sense. But nevertheless, he denied the virgin birth and he said that Jesus was distinct from uh, the Son of God. As the church grew, and we're going to get into the epistle in a second, it became very important that it have a definition of that was taken out of Scripture, a definition of who Jesus was. And that's where the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed come in. The church was guarding against these heresies. So, for example, they defined, according to what the Bible teaches, who Jesus was. He is God of God. He is light of light. Very God. He's very God. Truly God of truly God. He is begotten, not made. Being of, here we go, one substance with the Father. He is God. And that's what Serenthus and others were debating and denying. So, St. John the Evangelist uh, knew that it was his job to defend the Christian faith against this Gnosticism and he began to oppose Serenthus, and some think that his epistle, his first epistle, for example, was written as a defense against this Gnostic view. So St. John calls three witnesses. We go back to page 190. His first... Uh, the three witnesses that he's going to call, he, he talks about at length. Jesus, the Son of God, came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. So it's important to note here the past tense. He has come. He came already. And that's important as we think about the witnesses he's calling he came, and the witness, water, bears testimony to his coming. So does the witness, blood. We're going to get to this. Even Jesus Christ. He doesn't differ. He puts Jesus and Christ together. This is the Son of God. We're talking about Serenthus, who came by water and blood. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, like Serenthus was saying. Not by, he's not, the, he's not uh, the Christ did not descend upon him at his baptism only, but came and stayed throughout his life, through the, his conception and virgin birth, and until his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, this is the one who came by water and by blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. The Spirit is God. God is bearing witness to us about His Son through water and blood. For these three 
that bear witness, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. The thing about the three witnesses is that according to the law, someone could not be charged with an offense unless they had agreeable witnesses. Makes sense, really. And remember that when Jesus was going through the, when he was being charged falsely and arrested falsely, his witnesses did not agree. So John, in a certain way, is referring to the law, but he's also referencing what had happened when Jesus was falsely accused. So he says, the spirit and the water and the blood testify. What he means by the spirit, or possibly what he means by the spirit is that God has laid out this testimony through the life and witness of his son in the baptism of Jesus and in his death and resurrection. What does this spirit, what does the water and the blood really refer to? Well, there are two primary uh, proposals on this. One is St. Augustine and others suggest that the water and the blood refer to what happened when the Roman soldiers speared Jesus in the side. And this is a very interesting um, proposal because remember at that time when he was speared, Jesus had died already. He was dead. They came to break the legs of, of them. That was their custom to make sure that they were really dead on the cross and they saw that Jesus was already dead. And the Roman soldiers pierced him in the side and out came water and blood. And what Augustine and the others are saying is that this was a miraculous supernatural event because circulation had stopped in the body. The blood, the blood would have pooled at that point. It would have sunk to the lowest levels. And here comes water and blood. This was a supernatural incident in the crucifixion. Others, like the second century uh, Christian Tertullian, said that the water is emphasizing Jesus' baptism and the blood is emphasizing his crucifixion. And that the two together testify to his whole life as the Son of God, the Word made flesh. The water and the blood. And in the blood, of course, we're speaking about the precious blood that takes away the sins of the world. The resurrection after the blood. The ascension, 40 days later, the promise to come again. He's talking about the whole of the life on earth of the only begotten Son of God, bearing witness. So, as we look at this one more time, this is he that came by water and blood. At the first, water and blood don't say by the water and the blood to emphasize the whole of Jesus' life. Not the water and the blood that flowed from his side, but by water and blood. Even Jesus Christ, we talked about, John is uh, specifically, intentionally 
saying Jesus Christ to identify him as the Son of God. Not by water only, as the Gnostics would have said that this was the Son of God at his baptism only, but by water and by blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. We receive this witness of Christ's baptism and death and resurrection and his whole public life through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There are three, the, three that bear witness. Remember, we're in a court here, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. So now we move to the gospel. And this is the, the key point that's being put forward here in both, and this is John, one writer, putting forth the same uh, key point, is that if Jesus is just a good man, like Serenthus and other Gnostics said, his death didn't mean anything for us. It would have been a sad day. A very good man died. But he would not have been able to have taken our sins upon himself. When he died and descended to the dead to, to break the devil's power over death and sin, it wouldn't have happened if he was just a good man. So uh, John the evangelist is bearing witness to, to the, that this is truly the Son of God and the hope and promise and new life, everlasting life that we have in him by his death and resurrection by the water and the blood. So in the gospel today, page 191, the timing is the same day at evening, the same Easter day, only it's nighttime. It's the first day of the week. We talked about that last Sunday. It's Sunday night, Easter Sunday night. The doors were shut. We've heard this many times, and it's a key point because the doors weren't open to have Jesus come in. He didn't knock on the doors. He just appeared. It tells us something about his resurrection body. We're going to see in a minute that he was recognizable, that he showed them his hands and his side. A, a ghost does, does not have hands with the nail prints and the side, with the spear uh, print. In another, uh, one of the other Gospels, he actually asks them if they have something to eat. He wants to prove to them that he is truly, it's truly him. He has a body, but it's not limited. Like our bodies are limited. So he appears to them through the doors that are, are shut. And the first word he speaks to them is peace. Peace. They're scared. We would be scared. Peace be unto you. And then he showed them his hands inside to identify himself. This stained glass window uh, bears the picture of Jesus with the nail holes in his feet and hands. It, he is risen, but there are the telltale signs that he continues to carry in his resurrection body. And when they saw him and understood, they were glad. They were relieved. Then he speaks a word of peace to them again. Peace be unto you. And then he says, as my father has sent me, 
I send you. There's work to do. I'm risen, and you've got work to do. And then he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Ghost. And then it's like there's a jump, but this is where the connection comes with today's epistle. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Because he is risen, he can give this authority to them. The Son of God came to put away all the forces of darkness, of sin and death. So he says to them, you now are going to go out and proclaim the healing, the forgiveness of sins, which is the cause of our suffering as human beings. The effects of that first sin of Adam and Eve continues to plague us, as do our actual sins. And you're going to go out there, apostles, and proclaim the victory over that power. If we put that together with the epistle, what John is, was saying is, if Jesus is just a good man, there is no proclaiming the forgiveness of sins. And so at the end of the epistle today, this is the point. At the bottom of page 190, he that believes not God hath made him a liar because he believes not the witness that God gave of his son. I've presented my case, John is saying. If you don't believe it, you're making God out to be a liar because he's provided these witnesses, the witness of his spirit, the witness of the water, the witness of the blood. And this is the witness that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son, the forgiveness of sins, the new life, the possibility of healing, of our relationship being healed with God. All of that is in his son. And we have the witness of his son in the spirit, the water, and the blood. We have the witness of Christ's public ministry of his death and resurrection. And this witness brings hope and new life to us. A final point. As we think about witness, witnesses, the point of a witness is to present what may be believed. The Holy Spirit who bore witness to Christ, which John is saying, also is bearing witness in your heart and mind today, in 2021, in Moncton. This Holy Spirit, this eternal Spirit of God, has been sent to dwell in you, to bear witness to the very Savior we're talking about, who came by water and blood. And that same offer, that spirit bears witness that we might lay hold of the same offer, which is an offer of forgiveness and everlasting life. 
And we have the similar work to do that was given to those apostles, and that is to go out and bear witness ourselves to the truth of Jesus as the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, the Savior of the world. And how we bear witness to him will be first in our actions and second in our words. People will not hear anything we say unless it is consistent with our actions. And one thing that people do understand today, as much as they like to debate everything, is love. And if we can reach out to people in deeds of love, the Lord will soften their hearts to hear the truth about his Son, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.